the thing about everything is that it's built on something. Nothing comes from nowhere. Our thoughts and feelings are built on an invisible scaffold of lessons and memories, only to become the framework for the people we become after tomorrow. Welcome back to Sword of Symphonies. host King Cat, and I'm back in my chair, and it feels good. Hi, Cat! Yay! Hooray! We're back. Hi, everybody. With me, my right hand, Kathleen. Hello. Hello, Kathleen. There is no left hand. We also have Kirsten. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. I mean, I was thinking court jester, but yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh, <laughs> silently plotting to overthrow the throne. It is Nick. <laughs> I'm not that silent about it, am I? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> you're right. Not really. <laughs> yeah, you're never silent about it. <laughs> I'm Look, I'm bad at being quiet. Yeah, that's the stone cold truth. So welcome back to season two of Sword of Symphonies. Today, we're going to be doing a little bit of a session zero for a couple of reasons. One of the reasons is, if you're new to the podcast and you're jumping in right now, we want to make sure you know Cobb, Tissa, and Penelope and have a basic bearing of the rules. The other reason is, there have been some really large rules changes toward the end of season one, so we actually rebuilt Cobb, Tissa, and Penelope. Then later on, we're going to do some introductory stuff and ease us into the first arc. We're all new and improved. Yeah. New. We're all new. Hey, hey now. <laughs> Version 2.0. <laughs> so if you've never listened to Sword of Symphonies before, welcome. Hey, I'm Kat. This is a game I made, and my dear friends are playtesting it with me, and I love them very much. We're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Nick. <laughs> Just had to get that in there. I know. <laughs> Look, I gotta, I gotta stick up for us. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? Look, it's twenty twenty. The brand of the players of Sword of Symphonies are good. Okay. <laughs> that is our brand. When has it ever not been like that? You just you have to tell people again sometimes, you know, because they forget. That's branding, baby. Ah, mm-hmm. okay. That's oh. branding 101. You have to just keep shouting your name over and over and over until everyone remembers it. Penelope! Yeah. And then keep Penelope. shouting it so that yes. they keep remembering it. Yeah, there's big anime power in that sort of thing. <laughs> Brands use it for evil, but we use it for good. Yeah. Because as I said, we're good. So I think we're going to start with the base concept of the game, Heroic Chord. It takes place in a world a hundred years recovered from an apocalyptic crash. The mountains that covered the central portion of Amilta melted and flooded almost everything with mud and silt. And things haven't really been the same since. The gods of Amilta are stone monuments known as Daeliths. And they grant power to people who make pilgrimages to go see them. And they're located in some of the most dangerous places. So every heroic chord character is a little bit of a cleric and a little bit of a ranger and a little bit of something else. 
There are five stats in Heroic Chord. Daring, adaptability, understanding, sensitivity, and subtlety. Unlike a lot of RPGs, the stats aren't about kind of immutable physical realities of your character. For lots of reasons, and we've talked about that in the past, there's a cat's cradle that you'll love if you're interested in that. But instead, they represent how a character chooses to solve their problems. Are they daring? Do they dash in? Are they subtle? Do they conceal their motives and their actions from others? How do they get by in the world? Who knows? No one knows. The shadow knows. The shadow knows. That's what the game's about, is how they get through the world. Yeah. For example, Penelope tends to approach things with her daring because she just kind of jumps in there and thinks of the consequences later. It's more like, I'm taking the action now, just going for it. Thank you for volunteering, Kirsten. Tell us about the remade Penelope, if you would, please. (laughs) All right. So... Hi, uh, for those of you that are are new to the podcast, welcome. Uh, Thank you for joining us and for our old friends. Thank you for being there in season one and coming back for season two. I play Penelope Hunter and she has with her her trusty steed, Pollyanna, who is a cloud elk. A cloud elk is a flying elk that rangers who go on a um, crusade to the Shattered Rose Islands. It's a pilgrimage. Uh, pilgrimage. Did I say crusade? I'm doing good. Yeah. I'm sure in Penelope's sense it was a crusade. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mostly against snacks, but I mean, still. <laughs> she just she just doesn't like not having food around. Um, she defeated a lot of trail mix. <laughs> <laughs> and croissants. Um, so Penelope is a windswept cavalier. She is a young rancher who went on a pilgrimage to help heal, um, the sick animals in her village. Uh, there was a pestilence going around the livestock. So she went out to try to find a cure. She went on her pilgrimage to the Shattered Rose Islands. And during her pilgrimage, she met a cloud elk who is a um, companion, a flying winged elk, who you make a bond with as you go on this pilgrimage when you are this type of ranger. And um, they help you in many different ways. Obviously, you can fly with them. They have special abilities that you can use together in combat, which is really exciting. I I love that. And they're just really rad, cool creatures. And she's the adult of the pair of them. Yeah, so that's sort of her background. Um, If you're interested in figuring out who Penelope is and why Penelope is Penelope, definitely check out, there's an an arc... uh, Hunter, farm girl, dragon queen. Yeah. Dag- oh. Got it in one. <laughs> That's when she visits back to her hometown and you meet her family and um, her rival. <laughs> her rival, yes. She's not quite aware that they're rivals. Her rival might think they're rivals. <laughs> <laughs> if you're interested in her background, 
definitely check that arc out. Yeah, that's a bit about who she is. What was your favorite thing that Penelope did in season one? Yeah. I, I, there's a toss-up between two. Are they bad? Probably both are bad. <laughs> so my favorite thing, uh, Penelope unintentionally sandbagging Rada. The aforementioned rival. <laughs> She's talking to her old, old classmate, Rada. And Rada is trying to tempt her into joining a trick writing contest. And Penelope does not get it. And um, it takes them a long time to get Penelope to understand. <laughs> and it's pretty great. I also liked riding the big bird. That was a pretty cool thing. It's like uh, bronco riding, but in the sky. It was not the most sensible of choices, but definitely enjoyed that. That was fun. Okay, I've got a question. Mm-hmm. So for those of us who already know and love Penelope... What is different about season two, Penelope? Um, season two, Penelope, I did change her key up a little bit. And she has a couple new abilities. So she did her season two advancement abilities. She's taking Be Not Afraid. She helps people be fearless by showing them that fear has no name. Fear is not a thing. Um. It is the mind killer, some would say. Mm-hmm. Total obliteration. Well, it's the little death that leads to total obliteration. Let's not be dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> I also kind of reconfigured, because I didn't touch on it as much or barely at all in season one, but she's got minor miracle. So I want to kind of encourage Penelope to be like, I mean, I still love her gung-ho-ness, but I want to kind of bring out that more nurturing side of her that kind of got her on her quest in the beginning. That was like the initial point of her pilgrimage. I kind of want to guide that more. So I kind of like want to re-pick that. Even though that's like a season one ability, I kind of like wanted to give her a little yeah. bit more of that. How would you describe Penelope physically? Um, she is tall, bob length, curly red hair, sunburnt nose, lots of freckles. She's muscular from a lot of riding and farm work, tends to wear quite practical clothes, usually the typical cowboy hat. There it is. (laughs) There it is. (laughs) That's the most important (laughs) defining feature. Yeah, Penelope's a yeehaw. Yeehaw. And tends to always have rope with her because she's still got rope trick. Not giving that up. And more importantly. Yeah. In in season one, we learned that uh, Penelope defeats snacks. Typically, she tends to store food in her pockets and usually not the most appropriate of pocket food. She got better. There was oranges for a while. Um, so her lesson in season two is sometimes food can expire. No, I'm, I'm joking. That's not actually her lesson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She wouldn't learn it anyways. <laughs> no, no, she would not. So this is an important time to bring up something about heroic court is that characters advance when they learn lessons. So when you create a character, you write down an important lesson for them to learn. What lesson is Penelope learning this season? 
So um, Penelope is going to learn sometimes you can't go it alone. All right. Penelope doesn't typically learn, but we're going to try. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're, we're going to try. That's, um, I guess, an important thing. I I, I did say she's a, a young rancher. Um, yeah, she's 19. So she hasn't had the temperance of time to mellow some of her more determined aspects. So she's still growing and learning and maturing and getting wisdom, I'd say. Yeah. All right. Um, Nick. That's me. Tell us about Cobble, the Cobble who was, the Cobble who is, the Cobble who shall be. <laughs> so season one, Cobb or Jonathan Cobbler was a sort of down on his luck and recently, well, not that recently, out of work privateer, who we de- we discovered was a uh, the very nice way of the fact that he was a pirate. And over season one, he became the captain of his, and I guess actually the group's new ship, the Westbreaker. Yep. Uh, Cobb is still a daring first kind of guy. He likes to get things done by just charging in there and being bold and brash and head-on, very blunt. Not a very subtle individual. Never had the time for it. Cobb is a very large person, and he likes to use that to help people out. He's been on a ship his whole life. In fact, he is a tidal navigator, and he went with his original ship and crew of the Darling Beatrice up to Tidal Augustine, and that's where he became a tidal navigator. Uh, His change over into season two, other than the fact that he lost his hat and gained a spiffy new jacket, are obviously his new abilities. He didn't change that much. Some of his stuff got swapped around a little bit. He is now a swashbuckler of season ability, um, and he gained the new combat specialty, which used to be Swashbuckler, and now it is outnumbered. Cobb is the kind of person who will totally fight a whole room full of folks if they're being bad. Nice. And his new Season 2 ability is Overscatter, because Cobb is absolutely powered by dumb anime bullshit. And if you (laughs) listen to the final arc of the previous season, Swords of the Wastes, you'll hear that. Uh, But if you want to know a bit more about how he finally steps into his role as captain... His arc is Such Silence over on peachgardengames.com slash about. You can learn a little bit about him there. Oh, what was your favorite thing that Cobb got up to during season one? So, I of course, I kind of have to put his big anime moment where mm-hmm. he becomes captain. Oh, that uh, was very good. That was, it was so that was good. very um, good. I think my second favorite is... Well, okay, there's two that are fighting for second. It's him giving the Lotus Garden over to Lily and the children in the time dimension totally ignoring him. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, One of the children from the time dimension is our, uh, I suppose he's the quartermaster of the Westbreaker now, Mr. Sot, Mm -hmm. who is an approximately eight-year-old young man who now idolizes Cobb, but in the past has been less than respectful toward him. Uh, Sot has had a long time to come around to Cobb, and and I guess actually we'll get into a little bit more of this question later. But I'm I'm curious as to how much time has passed in between seasons. But we'll let uh, Kathleen go over her character Tissa before we get into story beats. 
Actually, before we do that, Kirsten, darling, love of my life. Yeah. Um, what's Penelope's new combat specialty? New combat specialty. Where are you, Penelope? Uh, I actually transferred this onto my computer, and now one second here. Oh, here, actually, while you look for that, I need to say what Cobb's lesson was because I didn't do that. Oh, yeah, what's Cobb's new lesson? Uh, and Cobb's season two lesson is the fact is he needs to learn that there is more to being a captain than just being the figurehead. Season two is going to be about Cobb learning how to be a good ship dad. I like that. Because I just realized that in season one, Cobb honestly, like, treated Penelope very much like... They're sort of at the same level. Cobb is like maybe close to 20 years older than Penelope, and he probably shouldn't let her get away with as much as she does. (laughs) No one should. (laughs) No one should let her get away with the things she does. Maybe that'll be something that he'll have to learn now as ship dad. Did we find the Penelope combat specialty? Penelope absolutely has strategist. Totally fits her. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. No. No, it doesn't. <laughs> She's great at strategy. Um, <laughs> it took me a second to realize what you were talking about, and I was like, oh, no, I got to nip this in the bud. <laughs> but I think that Penelope would actually have survival. Okay. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me. Penelope is pretty hardy. Or maybe too quick. Okay, yeah, no, too quick makes more sense with her family. <laughs> you got to be fast to get your to not have yes. your food get stolen. <laughs> well, and yeah. too quick also does well for her rad-mounted archer yeah. uh, side of her personality. Yeah. I think I like too quick better. I do like the idea of survivor, but I think too quick is kind of like the most Penelope. Yeah. So when Penelope's the only target of an attack, it's easier to avoid that attack. We'll get into that when we get into our first combat. We're not going to give you all the combat rules today. So now it's time. Now it's time for Tissa. Yeah. It's Tissa o'clock. It's Tissa o'clock. Again, I'm Kathleen, and my character's name is Tissa. Tissa is a wandering magus. And Tissa's whole MO is kind of taking the wandering part of the wandering magus is the important part of those two words. Tissa is inquisitive and very interested in what things are and how they work and how things are different from other things, but is... Not someone you would describe as particularly there all of the time. Tissa's strongest stats are understanding and adaptability, though she likes to roll sensitivity. That's true. And I lost my flow. Then if I may, what is your favorite thing Tissa did in season one? I guess Tissa is kind of a little bit of the embodiment of my Kathleen's ADHD to some degree. I like talking to people as Tissa because Tissa has (laughs) a very fun way to me of perceiving and existing in the world. And it's a way that 
is a little bit orthogonal to the way that a lot of other people experience the world. And so where that works and where that doesn't work is always fun to me. Tissa has a little bit of the party mage vibe going on. She is very, very interested in magic and the world around her because in Heroic Chord, that's where the magic comes from. It is about your connection to the Daleth and your connection to the world around you. Tissa's had a couple of big, important, giant spells during Season 1. And Tissa also did a lot of fun exploration, and especially exploration of characters. Tissa has historically not had much, just her spear and a couple of things and the clothes on her back, which seem to be mostly scarves. I believe my initial like thing that I wrote down about Tiska's physical description is imagine an, a uh, Nomura character design, but with scarves instead of belts. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. She has a big floppy hat. She has tons and tons of scarves that are just wrapped around and tied around all over her body and is shorter than the rest of the party, is definitely older than Penelope, might be the same age or older than Cobb, I'm not sure. But uh, she's been out for a long time and adventuring with the party is the longest that she's like stayed in a single place in a single time in many, many years which relates to her season two lesson, which is that it's difficult to repair things, but it's also worth it. Ooh, nice. I like that a lot. So what new abilities has Tissa got this season? Tissa's new ability for season two is called Blurry Clarity, which is an ability that allows a character to get information about a scene from the GM that they wouldn't otherwise have access to whenever they scatter. So that could be by casting spells or could be by being forced to scatter by another creature. Tissa also took the combat specialty Survivor, which lowers the difficulty to outlast a natural disaster by two. Nice. That definitely does fit the Tissa uh, out there in the desert. That's the Tissa we know and love. Out there in the desert, out there in the forest, out there on the bluffs, out there wandering off while the rest of the party is chopping down a tree to replace the mast. Yeah. <laughs> Finding interesting moss. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, there's an axe under that moss. <laughs> <laughs> It's a wide, wonderful world full of really cool things. And Tissa wants to see all of them. Yeah. As I think as, as a GM, one of the great things about Tissa is that Tissa is always interested in the things that are going on in the scene. Mm-hmm. Which is, regardless of whether they're the things that the rest of the party is interested in, that's <laughs> neither here nor there. So Tissa, Cobb, and Penelope are the crew of the Westbreaker, an experimental icebreaker built by Clara Gaius Ascendant, an enduring crusader. Clara and her erstwhile commander, I suppose he was from a different legion, Marcus, 
spent last season with Coptis and Penelope aboard the West Breaker on their way to the frozen north. Having brought them there, having rescued the remnants of the Glacier Legion from Naka, spoilers for season one, they rescued the remnants of the Glacier Legion from Naka. We are pretty cool like that. Now they have a ship. They have a ship all to themselves. It is enormous. Its hull is ironclad. It has a boiler, although it can also travel by wind power. It is brand new and state-of-the-art, and Cobb forgives it for that because it's his. <laughs> Aboard the ship, we have lost some of our NPCs, but we still have Mr. Sot. We've mentioned him before. He's part cabin boy, part quartermaster. He's better at math than you think. He's learning pretty quick. And he spent a century or so trapped in an other worldly, extra-dimensional space outside time by a noble demon. And when he returned, he didn't have anywhere to go except the sea. We also have Gideon Gaius Merciful, one of the survivors of Naka. She is an enduring crusader. She is an expert spellcaster. And she used to spend every day casting a spell so enormous that she passed out immediately afterward to protect everyone around her. So now she is awake. She is extremely awake. She is here to see everything, and that's why she's aboard the Westbreaker, to see everything. She's um, excitable, but not easy to fluster. The world, once you have left the frozen north and the horrors of the swarm, is a wonderful place. At least... That's how Gideon is experiencing it. And so that's our characters. That's our story up to this point. Let's see. So I guess now then would be a good time to bring up my previous question. How much time is going to have elapsed between the two seasons, Kat? Well, Tissa was going on some adventures. Tissa and Gideon went on a lot of long walks. Mm-hmm. So, um... How do you all feel? Okay, well, no, Kat, don't sing your dumb little songs. Use your words. <laughs> singing is like words. Singing is words. Look, singing dumb little songs about everything is how I express myself off mic. On mic, I need to talk. <laughs> On mic, I need to, I need to do talking communications. <laughs> I have an idea where we're going. The first arc of season two is going to find our protagonists under the couch the whole time. <laughs> That's where they were. That's where they went. I, I warned y'all I was dope to the gills. I, I mean, I don't think we're Eli, but we could be. Yeah, just <laughs> under the couch, eating human hair. <laughs> Actually, I wouldn't put that... Past Penelope. Just <laughs> change Gross. it to croissants and yeah. Yep. Okay. So the first arc of season two is going to find our characters in the foothills surrounding the last tooth. The last mountain in the great mountain chain that melted during the cataclysm a hundred years ago. It's the site of the pilgrimage to become a wailing arcanist, an expert in demons and magic and mountain climbing. 
and Canada. <laughs> well, that's really more the Enduring Crusaders. The crew goes out for a rip. You're not re-railing me. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to take one more pass at this and it's going to be flawless. Just you wait and see. The 1st of July. Canada Day. Canada Day. Canada Day. Okay. The first arc of season two is going to find our protagonists in the foothills surrounding the last tooth, the last remaining mountain in the enormous mountain range that crumbled a hundred years ago in the cataclysm. It's the site of the pilgrimage to become a wailing arcanist, an expert in demons and magic and mountain climbing. And how exactly you all got there, that's something I figure we can discuss this episode. Okay. So, what is the reason for being that far inland, crew of the Westbreaker? Uh, Cobb has a very good reason, actually. Yeah? Oh, yeah? Cobb is looking for a sword. A sword that is a piece of the four-piece set, of which he has one of them. Okay. Oh. Hunting for a legendary sword. It is a, a sword that used to belong to his, I guess, uh, wife. Ah. Nick. Literally the first time you've used that word. Yeah. Yeah. You've been very ambiguous up to now about <laughs> what the relationship was with the uh, mysterious big red-headed lady. Uh, yes. And her grave is on the last Tooth Mountain, and that is where the sword is. Oh. Alrighty. So that's why Cobb's there. Okay, so now my question is, how long after returning to Stageport, because the party did return to Stageport after Naka, how long after the return to Stageport did Cobb start this quest to collect the other pieces of this set, specifically this sword? Cobb probably spent at least a couple of weeks just sort of like getting used to the ship and that kind of stuff and sort of more stepping into his role as captain. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want to think, though, that probably he would have taken like maybe another couple of weeks at least, so like a month to two months it would take him before he really started on this because he's been spending a lot of time thinking like, okay, what do we do now? You know, we, I have this ship. I, we, you know, we have this new crew and sort of, I guess, is, is an interim thing. He's just like, well, I should go get some of the other things that the old captain had because if we're going to start up a new crew, obviously, we got to be prepared. And so he wants to go get prepared for everybody. Okay. All right. So a couple of months into the aimless wandering of the Westbreaker, primarily, I believe, in response to Tissa's aimless wanderings, <laughs> Cobb has decided that maybe it's time that we wandered aimfully. Aimful wandering. Much to Tissa's chagrin, I'm sure. Actually, let's just go there. Let's just go there. Let's take a journey through the magic of role-playing. <laughs> Is what, I'm, is what I'm proposing as your game master is that we use the magic of role playing to go on a journey. And mm. <laughs> this is a shaggy one. I'm so sorry, everyone. <laughs> this is a, the energy is great, but it's a shaggy one. <laughs> well, that's, I like that's shaggy. why it's a session zero. This is a big, stupid dog <laughs> of an episode. <laughs> Very positive vibes, but just a mess. All right. 
is a clear day. The horizon is Coventry blue. The top of the sky is Maya blue. And every other shade of blue in between can be spotted somewhere between sparse clouds. It is definitely warmer than it was in the far north, but there's a cool breeze. It is, if I'm remembering everything correctly, late winter? Yeah. Like late winter, early sp- Can we say that it's early spring? I'd, I'd like it to be spring. You know what? Yeah. Okay. It is early spring. There is a cool breeze that is not toothless. It has still got the fangs of winter in there, but the sun is out and the sun is bright and the air is as wet as ever. You are at sea, but there is something fresh and cheerful and spring-like about the dampness of the air that you can't help enjoying. You are on the deck of the Westbreaker. You can hear the cries of gulls surrounding the ship. Sod is perched on a barrel next to the wheel. He has two little books in hand. One of them is full of figures and an accurate accounting of everything in the hold and the crew. And one of them is a pulp book about pirates going on adventures, which he has tucked inside the more responsible one. I don't know. I think around Cobb, it would probably be the other way around. (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing, math, son? Nah. (laughs) Gideon Gaius Merciful is leaning over the rail. She is dressed in bright blue silk. When she is not adventuring, tends to favor dresses. She has long, straight black hair, dark black eyes, which are currently gazing out over the ocean, just excited about how much nothing there is. And what are you all doing? Well, seeing as there's only five of us, Cobb is probably driving the ship, or I suppose steering the ship. The ship kind of sails itself. I think Penelope is helping assist. Uh, She's getting a hang. I mean, we've been on a boat for a while, so she still might not know all the terminology, but she's pulling the appropriate ropes and tying the appropriate knots. Kind of gazing at the sky every once in a while, she'll take Penelope for a a stretch. Um, Ding, 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 ding! Already. There's one. (laughs) Did I? uh, (laughs) Okay, this is a fun game we played first season. Um, it was my brilliant idea to have my character be Penelope and uh, her cloud elk be Pollyanna. And the count the number of times that I switch it up. I was just going to say, you were actually really good about it in season one. It only happened a couple of times over the uh, whole thing. <laughs> That's true. Well, it's been a few weeks, so my brain has to get back into it. <laughs> we'll, we'll count this one as a mulligan. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so she's taking uh, Polly for a stretch every once in a while. and um, Cobb is probably also scratching at the stubble that he is currently growing now. Now that he's captain, he doesn't have to shave anymore if he doesn't want to. <laughs> he didn't have to before. No one was making him shave before. <laughs> That's what they want you to think. <laughs> <laughs> Who was it that would told you? <laughs> but yes, Cobb is now sadly sans bandana, but he does have, like short stubble on both his head and his face. Yeah, so I think that that's maybe, 
I think that Tissa was up late last night because there was something to navigate, or maybe there were just very good stars. I'm not sure. But she comes up from below deck, looks about, looks at Cobb, leans a little bit on her spear, which is always in hand, and goes, Oh, it's striking now. Big guy, you have hair. I do. Feels kind of weird, honestly. Hmm. Hmm. How long? I mean, how long is it going to be? How long has it been since it was? I mean, I guess I can see how long it is. Well, let's see. I've been through three razors, so that's probably oh, 20 years or so. Tissa blinks and, like, goes blank for a second. Wow. You've been shaving it this whole time? Yes. Oh. As for how long, I don't know. Uh, a good captain needs a good beard, don't you think? And Cobb kind of stares off into the distance, scratching his chin in a, what he is assuming to be uh, <laughs> dynamic and manly way, but it just kind of makes him look like a big goober. Oh, I thought you meant you've been, you went to three, sh- three razors on your head. Well, I mean, they last for quite a while if you take good care of them. Oh. I don't... Well, interesting. I'll have to look into razor quality. It's not something that is in my usual... Hmm. I've been trying to read more since we have more time on the sea. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, have you learned anything? Yeah, Sock closes his book. He closes his book. He's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, 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 Red, what have you been reading? Uh... It's a, a book about um, proper horse and cloud elk rearing. Well, large ungulates and um, other creatures as well. She kind of like tries to brush it off, but it's totally a comic book about a super rodeo cowboy who she wants to be when she grows up. I see. Uh, mm. well, good. I'm glad you found something, uh, something you're enjoying. It is. It's. It is pretty cool. It actually has some pretty good advice. Look. Look here. See, I didn't know that that's the proper way to to tie that knot when you're mounting a creature of that size, right? So now I know I won't fall off as easy because, I mean, you got to do the double loop there, and then, and then you're good. Mm-hmm. Cobb is just kind of looking over at uh, Pollyanna as if like. Are you okay with that? Pollyanna, <laughs> as a rule, is not. <laughs> well, uh, well, Penelope, I, I hope you get a chance to use that soon. Me too, right? Like, I've been practicing. Like, not, not, not the, the, not the, the mounting yet, of course, because I mean we're on the ocean. But the knot. And then she kind of glances over at this one like corner of an old net that's <laughs> totally been like taken and used for rope and there's a bunch of like old knots now in it I'm I'm glad you're getting in your practice one edge success on sensitivity survival Tissa goes uh mm, I guess all of the birds are too small huh so hey audience this is a game in which you roll a dice pool And you count how many fives or sixes you have. Those are successes. What Tissa rolled just now is called an edge success. That's a one. That means that in order to keep that as a success, 
Jason used to make a bargain with me, the devil. <laughs> but I believe Tiss was rolling <laughs> to see if the birds were big enough to ride on. <laughs> yes. I thought you were more of the tower. <laughs> <laughs> that is my card, yes. <laughs> and I'm going to demonstrate to you imminently. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, Salt looks up from his book. He's got his, his book closed in his lap, and he's perched on a barrel not far from Cobb. And he says, so where are we headed, Captain? Well, we're heading up to a place that I haven't been in, well, quite a long time. Uh, it's the Last Tooth. You ever been there? No. I've only ever been to Chelris and Demon World. Fair enough. Uh, Cobb turns to the rest of the crew. Anybody else ever been there? Mm. Um, Penelope just shakes her head. She's never been, like, to the Last Tooth. Oh, that was a really long time ago. That was a really long time ago. Wow. <laughs> Sounds fun. Cadian finally turns to look at the other human beings on the ship. <laughs> Can't wait. It is gorgeous this time of year. The melt will be just starting, so not nearly as much snow, but there will still be a little bit. There's something up there that I want to go get. Something that I think we'll need. Mm-hmm. Is it a demon? Is it a rock? No, it's a sword. A sword? I should have guessed sword. Mm. And Sot nods, like, yeah, of course it's a sword. He he has a lot of them. Captain loves swords. It's, it's part of a set. I've got one, and Cobb holds up the Red Captain's Dow. Uh, I've got one. This is, it's... I guess, counterpart slash twin. Uh, and there are two other pieces that I think would go nicely for everybody. There is also a spear and a staff. And I think it's probably best that we go get them. They were, uh, I guess, presents, gifts from my old captains uh, from his home country over across the sea. Mm. How did it get on... The tooth. Well, the person that used to belong there is buried up on the tooth. Mm. How did... Have you... Have Did you get there then? You've been up... Oh, yes. I was the one who put it there. Oh. Do we climb, I guess? Just... There will be some climbing, yes. She asked to be buried at one of her favorite old spots, and it's a little ways up the mountain, so we'll, we'll get some exercise in. Hmm. Hmm. Tissa sort of taps the butt of her spear on the deck a couple of times as she's thinking. Uh, um, can, do you think that we'll be able to just use this one, or um, are you going to have to become the captain again in order to use this one? That's a very good question. I don't actually know. I guess we'll find out when we get there. If it's anything like this one, then if it wants to be picked up, it should be in perfect condition. Oh. Hmm. I was never certain as to how they really worked. I, again, only knew that this one could do this sort of thing very recently, but I would imagine they were all made by the same person, or so I was told. They probably all have very similar properties. Hmm. Again, I'm assuming. Hmm. But if nothing else, I would like to pick it up. I think it can do more good 
uh, out and about. I think it's rest is over. Okay. Besides, we have some people on this ship without weapons yet, so, you know. <laughs> it can't be a proper crew if people aren't properly armed. Mm -hmm. Oh, is that our role? Ab absolutely. Mm. Cobb, of course, is not drawing attention to the fact that he has more than enough weapons for everybody. <laughs> yeah. I think Gideon draws a short sword and just kind of waves it a little bit, like, I have, I have one. <laughs> like, the scabbard and gown look is... <laughs> That's our guess. It's very good. I dig it. I dig yeah. it. Yeah. And Penelope has a bow. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. On the fishing ship, we always had knives. No, no knives. Mm. Yeah. This is right. Knives? Knives. Knives. Knives are good. And Sot kind of pipes up knives, Captain? <laughs> Well, I mean, I've got I've got some of those too, but a, a knife is a tool, not a weapon. That's true. I mean, I mean unless uh, unless your name happens to be Doug, in which case it's whatever you want it to be. But <laughs> that's uh, neither here nor there. Yeah, I guess Penelope has like knifed before, but she hasn't really weaponed much with bladed weapons. She's more of a range person. Yeah, Penelope's an archer. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna go to the last choose, and we're gonna get a sword, and um, are how are we going to eat there? Are we just going to hunt like I tried to do last time? Because that took a long time. Well, so the one of the nice things about the, the last tooth is that there is quite a few little, uh, I guess villages, towns, that sort of thing along the foothills that uh, lead up to it as it is a pilgrimage site. Mm. The, we, we aren't going that far up the mountain, don't worry about that, but uh, we, we are definitely going past all the towns. Okay, so I, I, we don't have to, like, memorize all of the things that all of the, the demons want? We don't have to do that. Well, that might still happen, so but keep on your toes. Mm. Okay. But I, I, the last time I was here, and I, I hope it is still there, but I stopped by a very wonderful little uh, inn and supply shop run by a couple who I believe one of their, one of their daughters was actually an arcanist, uh, the Scarlet Inn. I'm hoping it's still there. They were quite wonderful. Mm. Mm. It's, it's red, so of course you would know about that one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Made very good coffee. Very strange device made it, but it was delicious. Oh, you'll you'll love it when we get there. It's um, it's fascinating. <laughs> I think I I believe they said that it was invented okay. by their daughter, but I don't know if she's there anymore. Dirtbags officially canon. Dirtbags are canon. Dirtbags are canon, which means next time y'all are in Hushwave City, I need to introduce you to the poker rooms there. <laughs> Speaking of cities, however, soon the horizon begins to swell with the dark smear of land. And as you grow near, there is a bright and vibrant city. The air here is cool and crisp and windy. The buildings are painted all manner of bright colors, but mostly shades of blue and violet. And this is Fiskdea, a seaside city that is the gateway to the foothills. And you're going to be passing through Fiskdea 
and to the hills beyond next time. We only played one scene, so we're going to do something a little bit different for memory time. Kat, what's memory time? Memory time is, well, it used to be in the rules, but now it's just a tradition that we do at the end of an episode where we stop and we talk about what was most memorable to us about the episode. I encourage you to do this with your own groups. It feels good to just kind of compare notes at the end of a session. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's fun. Yeah, it's a good way to check in with the other players, the GM, see like how you're all feeling about everything. What you want to do more of. So, um, what do you think? Should we share some season one memories? Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Perfect. I I have a couple. So, I think one of my favorite memories is um, when we were with the prince. And uh, Penelope tried to talk to the prince Things didn't go so well, but then um, decided to try to break in on the roof. And then Tissa's just like anxious watching, like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was in arc one. Uh, sorry, arc two. It was good. I, I, I just, I loved that, that moment. One of my favorite memories was actually toward the end. I really enjoyed the fight against the swarm. Mm-hmm. Um, that was, we got to take a new combat system out for a spin and I really enjoyed seeing what you all did with it. I loved that combat. It was a lot yeah. of fun for me. It was very cool. It was so good. I love just the feel of it. I think one of my, one of my memories, and I think I actually did use this as the memory on the episode it happened, but I really liked that that cozy scene we got after the initial boat race with Clara, mm-hmm. where everybody mm-hmm. is just kind of sitting around enjoying hot drinks after getting rained on really badly. <laughs> Penelope just dripping everywhere. Doesn't understand. <laughs> Marcus went to change. <laughs> Marcus went to change. You all dripped in the hallway to some magic herself dry. <laughs> 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 no manners. Penelope was the disaster once again. It was it was Penelope and Cobb, but it, that, that I really liked that whole scene. It was silly and comfy. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. In season one, things kind of got a little bit serious during Swords of the Waste, and I really enjoyed doing that. But I am also excited for uh, not having the weight of one man's personal quest to rescue people that he may or may not know actually exist bearing down us. And instead, it's a much more lighthearted quest to find the four weapons from Romance of the Three Kingdoms. (laughs) Well, we only need to find three. We have one. Okay. 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 There's one for everybody else. But yeah, we're starting off light again, and that's nice too. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Barring whatever like awful twists and turns Cat has planned. I'm I'm very excited to see how Cat plays Vi's parents. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the problem with collaborative storytelling, listener. <laughs> Sometimes you give Nick an inch. <laughs> <laughs> but it's gonna be a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to doing season two with everybody. 
Thank you listeners so much for joining us for this little session zero. If you're already familiar with Sword of Symphonies, I hope this was enjoyable for you. If you're new, I hope this helped you get your bearings a little bit. Don't worry, we'll be going into the details of how the game is played as it's played. So don't worry if you don't feel like you could like play along with us right now. We might even have a special surprise for you. Ooh. We'll have to see how that shakes out. Do we? Is this Wait, yes. surprise? You... I'm surprised. No, you, you do, GM. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do. Oh, yeah, that's happening. <laughs> yeah, I do. Never mind. Uh, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I was just really worried that Nick did. <laughs> no, no, I'm I'm good. <laughs> so, um... If you have happy and you know it. <laughs> if you're happy and you know it, please tell us over at peachgardengames.com. There's a form to fill out. Or you can tell us how happy you are over at Peach Garden RPGs on Twitter. <laughs> or if you really want to show how happy you are, come check us out over on the Be Gay Roll Dice Discord. Uh, there will be... What, do we have a link to it on our Twitter and on the site? Hopefully. Oh, we can. You'll find those links there. As well, if not, just ask us at Peach Garden RPGs on Twitter, and we'll let you know. Yeah, absolutely. That was so flawless. That was such a flawless promo bit, Nick, and I'm genuinely really impressed and proud of you. Yeah. Good job. I've had a lot of coffee today. <laughs> coffee has powers. <laughs> he's definitely on. He's on his game. He's <laughs> on his game. He's coffeeed up. Beautiful. And uh, I guess that's the business. So. Catch you next time, listener. Bye. See you next time, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Be gay. Roll dice. An LGBTQIA actual play podcast network. Come listen to Dice of Roll, the gayest Pathfinder podcast on the planet. We ask the hard questions like, is it morally acceptable to kiss a goblin? Is it cool to use spell slots to warm up leftovers? Would the gods be mad if I wrote slash fic about them? We're a group of four friends who play Pathfinder 2nd Edition every week and go on adventures like none other. We've just launched our brand new season, Extinction Curse, which follows the adventures of the Circus of Wayward Wonders, as they put on the greatest show in all of Galarian and uncover ancient secrets and long-forgotten foes from a bygone era. If you like circuses, clowns, and a little bit of magic, come check us out, and make sure that no matter what, you keep it rolling.